2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. Could we read it together? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's a challenge, isn't it? Study to show thyself approved. I, uh, I am very inspired by Paul's letters to Timothy. I think a lot of times when we look at Paul's writing to Timothy, we often immediately go to ministry because Timothy, being a son in the gospel, he is admonished to preach the word, the instant in season and out of season. But I don't believe for one moment at all that what Paul is saying to Timothy is only for ministry. I believe it's for the body of Christ. And I'll show you why I believe that, but I want us to understand that the scripture speaks about the sincere milk of the word of God. It speaks about being babes in Christ. And then it also speaks about the meat of the word of God. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist, uh, an astronomer, uh, a medical doctor to understand the difference in the milk and the meat. The milk of the word of God is for that baby that we're trying to nourish, get them to grow. Somebody shout born again. I think it's a precious thing when someone is born again later in their life. Because when they're born again at a late stage, not everybody, don't forget this, not everybody has a pedigree in Pentecost. And they've lived a life of woe and tragedy and brokenness and peril and pitfall. Then they're born again and they realize what they've missed out on all their life. Man, that's a miracle. That's a miracle, the power of conversion in someone's life that they're born again. But at 90 years old, being born again, they're not ready for steak. They need some milk. But what Paul is writing to Timothy is not milk. Paul is writing to Timothy and he lets him know that at some point, son, in your life, in your walk with God, you're going to have to grow up and mature and be a man of God. Christianity is the only place, in my opinion, that we don't take notice of the scripture when it says, doth nature itself not teach us? We look at that often and teach that in standards of separation of men and women and men being men and women being women. But I want to tell you, nature teaches us more than just separation. Nature teaches us that it would be really, really strange for an adult man of 40 years old to walk around with no shirt on and a diaper and a pacifier hanging out of his mouth. Right? Be weird, wouldn't it? It would be extremely weird for someone who has lived on this earth for 30 or 40 years when they get hungry to call their mom and say, Mama, make me baba. 
be awkward, wouldn't it? There'd be two folks need kicked there. The big ugly baby and the mama that would still be willing to fix the bottle. I just preached and y'all missed it. Because if we're not careful, we can empower people to stay infants. Oh, Lord Jesus. At some point in our Christianity, church family, and I want this to be crystal clear, that's why I'm not saying it with a red face and spitting to the 15th seat tonight. At some point, we've got to quit negotiating and debating on whether or not truth is truth. Just decide that it's settled, and let's move on to perfection. I want to tell you tonight, there's no question in my mind as to whether or not you must be born again of water and spirit. Like, that's not up for debate tonight. If somebody wants to debate me about being born again, I'm not going to debate being born again. That's not my rule. That's scripture. That's Jesus Christ, John chapter 3. Except a man born again of water and spirit, he can't see the kingdom of heaven. He can't enter the kingdom of heaven. We can't debate that. It, it just, it is. You know, I've used this analogy so many times through the years, but I find it so fitting in, in seasons just like this. It's like, it's law. It's there. It's scripture. It's right. You must be born again. Acts 2.38. It's right. It's there. You can argue with the law, but it doesn't change the law. You can argue with the law of gravity, but it doesn't change the law of gravity. And if you really want to test the law of gravity, just go jump off a high place and cuss the law the whole way to the ground. I don't like this stupid law. I think it's stupid. You know what's going to happen? Your argument's going to come to an end with the reality you were wrong. I know this sounds strong. Do you know what's going to happen with people that want to debate whether or not they must be born again to see heaven? Come on, preach at me now. What's going to happen if we debate whether or not doctrine is right and doctrine is doctrine? We're going to wake up to the reality that we were wrong. I don't want to be on the backside of the curve of the doctrine of Scripture. I want to do the right thing, the right way, and please God. You get one chance in your life to please God. And when you draw your last breath, there's no more pleasing God. Somebody shout amen. amen. So we've got to grow up and mature and get off the milk and get on some meat. And uh, I, I, I think it just goes without saying, but there's a reason why we put some rules and restrictions on promised land. Sister Crystal does an unbelievable job with promised land. Unbelievable. I'm grateful for your work, lady, because you won't find five people in the world that want to do it. Thank you for what you do. There's a reason why there's an age on promised land. I'm just being honest with you. I don't want grown men going in there with our babies and saying they need changed. That sounds silly, doesn't it? But in Christianity, we just accept it. We're born again, and then next Sunday we have to repent 
for what we were born again from last Sunday. It's over and over and over and over. And we tell people, oh, just, just celebrate. Just, just celebrate when you get over. Just, just celebrate when you've had a good couple of days. Celebrate when you've been clean. Listen, folks. There is a power in understanding that the new birth, we don't bring habits through that blood with us. Don't, it, don't, it don't happen. I thank God for his mercy. That's why his mercy's there. But there is a crazy, crazy fine line that we're going to have to identify in the end time church to understand. We cannot keep visiting the nursery week after week and month after month. The Holy Spirit is saying, come on a little bit higher. Let's grow in the Lord together. I don't believe that it's the will of God for somebody who has the Holy Ghost and been baptized in Jesus' name to keep regurgitating the same old thing. Well, I don't know if that's right. I don't know if that's what I got to do. At some point, you've got to just settle it in your heart. This is the book. This is salvation. This is righteousness. I believe it. It's settled. No more debate. It takes a lot of pressure off of your life. I, I don't want to mess anything up because I, I, the Lord was dealing with me deeply today about some things. I know not all of you are going to be at convention, but the Lord was dealing with me today and I was sitting at the table in my house and he said, you know, if you're still trying to convince yourself after 20 years of marriage that she's the one, That's something you you got to decide way back there. And the Lord said, there's still people 20 years later, they're still trying to decide if I'm the one. Do they really want to be with me? Do they, do they really, like, are they interested in an open relationship where they're dating other people or do they want to be with me? When you start having to ask yourself questions like, is that required of me to go to heaven? You're still dating. And so, we've got to grow up and, and walk in the truth. And so this second chapter opens up and we're going to just ease our way down through here. I very seriously doubt we'll make it through the whole chapter, but I want to hit some high points for you tonight. Now, therefore, my son, be strong. Somebody shout strong. Be strong in the grace that is in Jesus. In Dunameo, be strong. Have some strength. Have some grit. This word literally means to enable a strengthening in your soul. Enable strengthening. Be strong. Constantly strengthening yourself in the grace of Christ. Let it be something uh, that you make strong is what he's saying. Make it strong. Well, this is tough right here now. Make it strong, Timothy. When he says be strong, 
He's saying, make it as strong as it needs to be. That'll preach for a month. The grace of God will never be more powerful than it is right now. But His grace is not what's in question. It's my strength in that grace. And He said, Timothy, I need you in dunameo. I need you to make that strength as strong as it needs to be. How strong is strong enough, Pastor? Stronger than the temptation? Stronger than your flesh? Stronger than your desire to quit? Stronger than your desire to walk away? As strong as it needs to be. Timothy, be as strong as you have to be, but endure. Listen, you can't be strong in the grace of God when you're still trying to figure out if he's the one. Make it strong, son. Get in there and make it happen. Be strong in the grace. He said, be strong in the things that thou hast heard of me among many. And the things that you have heard of me, the same things that you've heard of me, I want you to teach it to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You know why we have a hard time teaching other people? Because we're still not convinced. Boy, it's really tight right here. Yep, Just stay with me right here for just a second. We're still trying to figure out how we can... Write the language differently of John 3.16 because we're not so sure we know how to explain that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to still be oneness. Uh-oh. It's funny. We'll try to, we'll try to teach things and we'll skate, we'll skate around scripture that uses father-son language because we're not, we're not sure what to do with it. How, how far do we have to go to be convinced that he's the one? John the Baptist should have known if anybody knew. But when he got his back against the wall and he was frustrated and, and Jesus felt like offended. He starts asking questions like, are you really who you said you are? I mean like, are you really him? Or should we start looking for somebody else? How strong does it need to be? Strong enough, Timothy, that when you're in a prison of confinement and isolation, that your revelation is stronger than what's coming against you. You've got to be strong in what I've taught you. And this is the danger of hype religion. Because if some people are strong in what they have heard among many witnesses, it's going to be God is good. He's full of mercy. He wants you to be happy. Just come in here and dance, feel good, and leave. Am I telling the truth? What, 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 what have you heard? Well, something to be strong in. That's what he said. Be strong in what you've heard me say to many witnesses. If we're still trying to figure out faithfulness to the house of God is right or wrong, we're, we're way off base, church family. And we need God to reach down and touch us. I agree. Yes, we do. We need God to touch us. We need a move of the Holy Ghost. Absolutely, I agree. But understand, Pastor, when I tell you tonight, 
We don't need a move of God nearly as bad as we need a standstill of men. I don't want to bore y'all to death tonight. But I got to help somebody in this place understand that a move of God does not fix carnality. You can have revival 52 weeks out of the year and us meet four, five, six, seven nights a week. 52 weeks out of the year, and that does not fix carnality. That does not make you strong in the Lord. You watch, you watch how we are as a movement. We love to be entertained. And I've had people in this pulpit that maybe weren't as uh, demonstrative in their presenting the word. And it's funny to watch people who love to shout and dance our way through the word of God, that if somebody is not a demonstrative preacher, we just fold our arms and be like, man, that dude was boring. We need God to get a hold of us, absolutely. But more than we need God to get a hold of us, we need to get a hold of God. I want you to understand, God has never let go of us. He purchased his church with his own blood. But we got to come to the understanding that we are not our own. We have been bought with a price. Been bought with a price. He said, I want you to just, I, I, I want you to take what I've taught you. I want you to be strong in it. And I want you to teach other people. And I want you to be sure that those other people are teaching exactly what I told you. Well, that's powerful. He said, endure hardness as a good soldier, son. The easiest way to illustrate this to you is hardness just means hard times. Endure endure difficult seasons. Somebody shout endure. Endure. I just preached this a few weeks ago on enduring. Endure, endure, endure. Endure hardness, Timothy. Endure. When you go through stuff. How strong are you? How strong are you in the grace? How strong are you in the doctrine? When you go through a trial with your family, are you going to start questioning doctrine? How deep are your roots, son? How deep do they go? Do you love God enough that if everything familiar was gone from you tomorrow and everything that you know was shaken and the rug was pulled out from under you, what if tomorrow, Timothy, they come in and they begin to siege Jerusalem and we can't meet in synagogues anymore? What are you going to do then, Timothy? Feel like a bunch of folks ate some good hot oatmeal before church tonight. It's settling in on you. What are you going? What are you going to do, guys? What are we? What are we going to do if we ever in the land of the free and the home of the brave? And I pray to God it don't happen. What are we going to do if what we love to do so much in this house tonight becomes illegal? I want to tell you right now that if people won't be steadfast and unmovable while we can. They sure aren't going to be steadfast and unmovable when they say we can't. I mean, I've got more Bibles right now. I've got Bibles in my house. I've got Bibles by my bed everywhere I go. I don't ever travel without a Bible. I've got Bibles with me all the time. If I'm flying, I've got a Bible with me. I love to have the Word of God with me. But there's some brothers and sisters who believe what you and I believe tonight, that they can't have their Bible in public. So they go ahead and take it with them and... Paul said, be strong in that. Be strong in that. 
Love the word of God. That that I have taught you and that that you have learned of me. Take that and teach it to other people. What are we going to teach other people? What are we going to teach other people? What is it that's more important in our life, Timothy? What is more important in your life than pleasing the Lord? What are you going to teach other people? Now, here's a little lesson that I need to get in your spirit tonight. Some of you, I know some of you say, Pastor, I'm not real outgoing. I'm not much of a teacher. Well, I just want to tell you right now, the most quiet among us are always teaching. You may be teaching in silence, but you're teaching. Your kids are watching you and you're teaching. This youth department is watching you and you're teaching. Ministry is watching you and you're teaching. The world is watching you and you're teaching. And whenever you take the sacred and holy things of God, like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to. You're teaching. And when time rolls around for us to either be faithful to God and be faithful to the house of God or not be faithful to the house of God, we're teaching. Somebody shout amen or oh me. Now, he said, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. If I had about four hours, I'd stay right there for just a second. But I just want to talk to you about being entangled. It's a web. Bishop and, and my mother came over yesterday. My mom was talking about something that was online. I said, you know what? Life was way more simple before social media. It's a web. But church family, let me, just, let me just mention this. I don't have time to stay here. But I, I just want to mention this to you. God gave you a really cool gift. Just keep scrolling. Okay? Just, just keep scrolling. You don't have to comment. Well, I'm standing for truth. No, you're not. You're making yourself look like a dummy. Leave people alone. Stop. It's not worth it. They're never going to get your point on Facebook. That's the worst place in the world to take a stand and say, Oh, look what I've done for Jesus. You are not a Facebook martyr. It's not going to happen. And you're not going to get in an argument with somebody on there. Today, I I was on Facebook and saw someone that gave, uh, I'm talking about a bold-faced, blatant lie about some friends that I know in the ministry. I'm talking like bold faith. It wasn't like something about their personal life or anything like that. It was just a lie about where they were. And the the gentleman that it was about, I talked to him on the phone. He had called me. He said, what do you think I should do? And I said, I'm not messing, man, I'm not messing with it. It, don't fix, it doesn't fix one thing. You're not going to change anybody's mind. But if you're a warrior, he said, don't get entangled with all that junk. Just please the Lord. Just, just please the Lord. Somebody said, Pastor, did you see what so-and-so put online? No, thank you. I got enough drama in my own life. I don't need to get in their drama. And I sure don't need to start other drama. Timothy, if you're going to be a warrior, do not be entangled. Hey, I want to tell you, I mean this sincerely. I'm not trying to be the police tonight. But if you don't have self-control enough to not post silly stuff online, delete your account. You are destroying your witness to people when you get on there and him haul And they thought you were blood-bought and turned around and child of God. And then you post silly, ugly things on there like God has let you down. Hey, do yourself and the world a favor. You're teaching. You're teaching. Somebody shout amen or oh me. Lord have mercy. Verse 5, if a man also strive for masteries. This is really cool. The language of this in the Greek. A 
a man strive for masteries, it means the exact same thing as if a man compete in athletics. The language of striving for mastery means if a man competes in athletics, if he's a competitor, yet is he not crowned except he compete lawfully. Stay, stay with me right here. This is so very powerful. He said, you may be competent, but you're disqualified. May be able to. Well, pastor, I've seen that guy preach before and they get results. Nobody said he wasn't competent. Y'all remember a couple years ago? I don't, I don't even remember. Uh, I guess it must have been the last Winter Olympics. How many years has that been? Two years? Because we're going to summer this coming summer, right? Anyhow, it's, it's irrelevant. The Russian team, uh, they all got kicked out of the Olympics for doping. Right? Anybody remember that? It was a big sham scam deal. Got kicked out for doping. Let me ask you all a quick question. Do you think any of those people that got kicked out for doping could have got out on the track or whatever they were doing and ran fast? You, like if they were going to swim, you think any of them could have swam? If it was Winter Olympics, you think any of them could ski? So nobody's questioning their ability. The ability of the person was not in question. Their competency was not in question. Their qualification was. Are you playing by the rules? Hey, this is something you got to understand, church family. This church does not write the rules. But there is a reason why we keep this platform clean and why we keep our leadership clean and why we keep stuff out of our choir. It's because the only people, according to that book, that are going to get the crown are people that strive within the rules. <laughs> he said, I want you to tell these people when you're teaching them, if you're going, if you're going to compete, you got to complete compete lawfully and he said furthermore in verse 6 he said Timothy here's the little principle you got to get down deep in your spirit if you're going to be a farmer you got to be the first one to take of the harvest think about this these guys get up and preach against everything but fresh air but don't want to be a partaker of the fruit he said Timothy don't you dare preach something you can't live he said, you preach the word and line up with the word and don't, don't go acting goofy. Don't, you, don't, don't jump out there and get in some harvest that you don't want to eat of yourself. Church, I'm, this is going to be really simple, okay? I, I don't want to blow your mind with simplicity right here. But I, I want to tell you that if your pastor has a heartbeat about anything doctrinally, this is why I always come back to a simple fact. Just stay in the word. If, if you have a question about it, line it up with the word. And if, it don't, if it's not something, if it's something that you're doing or not doing that does not match up verbatim with black and white, then let's discuss one of two things. Either it's not of God or it's something that God has drawn you to do that you are convicted about. And let's be honest enough to say this is not a scriptural standard. This is a conviction in my life that God has led me to. And it may not send everybody to hell, but God convicted me of this. Let's lead from a perspective of stay with the book. 
You know why so many people lack conviction, though? Because they're not even convinced about the law part. Oh, my. You like this, Bishop? I think we ought to do dueling. Instead of dueling banjos, we ought to do dueling preachers tonight. I'll preach a verse and you preach a verse. The gentleman yields his time. Farmer must be first partaker of his fruit. What he's basically saying to Timothy is don't expect anybody else to be convinced if you're not, son. Did, 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 did everybody hear that right there? I said don't expect anybody else to be convinced if you're not. You got to be the first partaker of the harvest. Don't, don't, don't tell people you need to be a prayer warrior and never pray. Don't, don't tell people you need to fast and don't ever fast. Don't tell people they need to be in this book and then never get in the book. They are not listening to you, Timothy. You are teaching them. Teaching. And verse 7 is perhaps the fastest read and least, given the least amount of power and authority, but it is, in my opinion, the game changer and shift in the whole chapter. Consider what I say. And the Lord Give you understanding in all things. Oh, God, that's a six-week series right there. Somebody shout understanding. Do you, do you know why most people speak against truth? Because they don't understand it. I want to tell you what's really, really sad is that is the spirit behind every single individual that compromises because if they ever understood the power of compromise, they'd never compromise. It's not, listen, there is a difference in knowledge and understanding. Because with knowledge, I can quote it to you chapter and verse, but that don't mean I understand it. It's not helping anybody. You must understand what you know about the scripture. You've got to get it. Down deep in your heart, he said, so take everything that I've taught you, Timothy, and then ask God to give you understanding. Psalms 119, 104. We're going to run through some things here really quickly. Psalms 119, 104. How do I get understanding, Pastor? Okay. Through thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way it is not enough for you to love righteousness come on somebody preach you heard me preaching enough you can say it back to me it is not enough to love righteousness you've got to despise iniquity it's one thing to say oh i love jesus I go to church on Sunday. I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. He accepts. No, no, no. Understand me when I tell you. You can't say that you love Jesus and not hate what Jesus despises. He said through thy precepts, in your word, through your law, through the prophets, in this book right here, Lord, through thy precepts, do I get understanding? And therefore, because I understand your word, it makes me hate everything that's false. Can I tell you there is nothing more real in this world than the reality of eternity when we weigh it in the balance of the word of God. This word is right. And if you're not convinced of that, you're wasting your time. 
well, you know, I, Pastor, I, I mean, I, I believe in God and all that stuff, but I mean, there are some really, really strong ideas out there that maybe God didn't create everything. I don't know. Uh, well, you're done. That's Genesis 1 and 1. Yeah, but I, I, I do want to be blessed when I'm coming in and blessed when I'm going out. No, 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 no. Forget it. It's off the table. God spoke something to me today, and I'm reluctant to share it because I, 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 don't, want to, I don't want to mess anything up. God spoke something to me today, Bishop, sitting at the table. I've been seeking God that the theme of our conference is be apostolic. It's apostolic, apostolic, apostolic. I'm like, God, apostolic is so much more than just doctrine. It's like there's got to be demonstration and all this stuff right here. And I'm telling you all, just as sure as I'm sitting here, God began to speak to me. And he said, this is, let, me, let me say it like I, like I wrote it down. I want you to follow this very, very closely, okay? How many of you believe in demonstration, power, miracles, signs, wonders, blind eyes, deaf ears, dead rays, all that? Y- y'all believe in it? I do too. I want to see it. And I asked God, I said, why aren't we seeing more? I've been asking God this for over 20 years. Why am I not seeing? Why am I not seeing? God, why are we not seeing more? Why are we not seeing more of it? And this is exactly what he said. He said, if you can't take me at my word on doctrine, don't expect me to honor my word on demonstration. Some of y'all don't even know what that means. We're asking God for a sovereign move of the Holy Ghost. And we're not even convinced who the Holy Ghost is. We're not even convinced what the Holy Ghost does. The word of the Lord said that the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth, when it has come, it will lead and guide you into all truth. Don't tell me that we want demonstration until we get truth. Proverbs 3.13. Happy is a man that findeth wisdom. A man that gets understanding. Now, I'm not trying to run off of this and do a play on words, but I want to tell you all something. There's a reason why there's a great lack of joy in some of your lives. <laughs> People that are never happy. I can, I can look at them. Brother Jordan Fry and say, they hadn't been in the Word of God. Woo, I perceive you're a prophet. No, I'm not. I don't have to be a prophet. I can look at people and tell you for sure they haven't prayed. They haven't fasted. They haven't sought God. How, how, pastor? Is that like the pastoral gift? Is that like a mom's intuition? No. The scripture says, happy are they. Who's they? The people that find wisdom. And the man that gets understanding. He said when you've got wisdom, you know this storm won't last, so get happy. When you've got wisdom, you know all things are working together for your good. Get happy. 
If it was Sunday night, I'd preach a dog out of that right there. I want to tell you, sometimes you got to think yourself happy. Happiness is not a feeling. you got to get in the book and stand on the promises of God. I came into this world naked. I'm going to leave naked out of this world. But Let's be the name of the Lord. Job was happy. How can Job be happy? Job lost everything. No, Job didn't lose everything. Job lost stuff he could touch. He lost things that were precious to him, but he did not lose revelation because his revelation was not based on what God did for him. It was based on who God was. Happy is the man that hath wisdom and the man that gets understanding. Why do you need happiness, Timothy? Why do you have to get understanding? Because we need happy people. You haven't got the diagnosis. I got quick question. I'm not being insensitive. I'm telling you right now. I'm not being insensitive, but I just want to know something right now. Every single person sitting in this house right now, the worst case scenario for you is that you don't live through the rest of this night. Worst case scenario. I mean, is there something worse? I, maybe that 10 of us don't live through the night. I don't, the worst case scenario is that you don't live through this night tonight. When you lay your head down and go to sleep, you don't wake up tomorrow. How bad is that for the man that hath wisdom and understanding? Oh, man. I, just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. You don't understand. When you've got wisdom and you've got understanding. Mother, I appreciate you preaching with me right there. Happy. My boss has been against me, but it's all right. I got wisdom and understanding. I know what's going on. The devil use anybody he can. That's why my brother's acting stupid. That's why so-and-so's acting stupid. I know what he's doing. I've got wisdom and i got understanding. And I'm going to cut him off at the pass. Mm. Let's go to chapter 4, Proverbs 4, verse 5, and then verse 7. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Verse 7, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Let's read this together. But with all thy getting. He said your wisdom, your wisdom, that's the principle that you got you to gotta know it. And then I need you to understand it. Get wisdom. Then get understanding. Now, let me give you just a couple more here. 1532. Oh, Lord. Maybe I should preach this part up here. He that refuseth instruction despises his own soul. Oh, my. Are y'all still with me on this cliffhanger right here? Pastor, what are you going to do if they don't listen to you? You better put on your pastor badge and go get them. Nope, I'm not. You know what they've been doing, Pastor? You better go get them. I'm not. I refuse to. Because if they don't receive instruction, it's not because they hate me or they hate the church. Ultimately, they despise their own soul. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean that if you don't want to take the instruction of the Word of God, ultimately, that means you're going to be lost. Hates his own soul. But he that heareth He that heareth reproof. What? I don't 
don't like reproof. I don't either, but it's a good way to get understanding. See, I never understood this when I was a kid, and I, I still think it's a little bit stupid, to be honest with you. When my mom and dad would say, son, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I'm not going with that. I'm going to say it hurts different. Because when you're giggling later, you done got over it. My rear end says, I'm not over it yet. But it's amazing how much understanding you get the first time you look at your child and you say, baby, that's not good for you. Dad, can I go over there and stay? No, you can't. Why not? Well, you don't have time right then to break it all down because not everybody is as they seem, honey. There's some weirdos and some freakazoids out there. I'm not just going to let you go. Well, they're good people, Daddy. Listen, that's why at some point you just got to take things off the table because your father sees things and knows things that you don't know. God, I don't understand. That's what makes me happy in this life. That's what I love to do. Your father sees things that you don't see, and he knows things that you don't know. So with all of that getting, get understanding. And when reproof from the word of God comes, just get happy about it. Because he loves your soul, and it proves that you love your soul when you get understanding. Somebody say amen or oh me. I'm going to hit a couple things here real quick, and then we got to fast forward so I can get done. And so he says, consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. And verse 8 is so powerful to me. Timothy, remember that Jesus... Christ of the seed of David. All of this is so important. Man, I wish I had time. Remember that Jesus Christ was of the seed of David. He is the root and he is the offspring, Timothy. He is the fulfillment of every messianic prophecy. He is the fulfillment of all. Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to what I preached to you. I don't care. I don't care. Everything else becomes irrelevant. Get wisdom. Get understanding. And don't forget who Jesus is. And remember that he was resurrected from the dead. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer even unto bonds. But the word of God has no chains, Timothy. Can't, you can't bind up that word. Mm. I'm going to let y'all work through some of this yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm going to you, let you work through this some yourself. But he says, Timothy, the best thing you can do is just be dead with him. Just die with him. Be sure your flesh is not, not working. Be, be dead with him he said because when you're dead with him you live with him 
I'm not, I'm not sure we understand what it means to die with him. But there's some things that you got to live on the other, leave on the other side of that baptism, on the other side of that repentance. You got, you got to leave it there. This is the same, the same man, the same voice that said, my old man was crucified with Christ, and yet I live. Now, let's go to 15. I'm quickly coming to a close. I, I, I got to work through this with you. These are so powerful. Please, please go home and read through this chapter. Please do that. Verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I don't ever want you to see this scripture the same. He was not telling him, Timothy, make yourself a good preacher. Be sure that when you preach, your polished and presentation is wonderful and it's all good to go. And you have, you have searched the scripture, son. And you know, he's just rightly divide the word. Just be a word. Son, you don't have to be ashamed at all when you stand up and preach. You get up there and preach because you studied. He said, give diligence. When he said, study. To show thyself, study is diligence. He said, give diligence to present yourself to God. Be diligent in your approach of your presentation to God. When you present yourself to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, son, do it with diligence. Pursue after it. He said, study. If we give proper force to the definition of this word study, as in the Latin studio, uh, studium, studiosus, expressly, it senses the word exactly. Study with diligence, with exact diligence, with precision. Have precision in your life. Don't be cutting corners when you approach God, son. Be diligent and be precise. Be exact. It also alludes to zeal and earnestness and desire and effort. Diligence. Haste. Come to me in a hurry. The same word, due diligence. When he told Timothy, he said, due diligence to come to me and bring me my cloak and bring to me my books. Due diligence. Get here rapidly. Do it in a hurry. Do it precisely. Can I tell you right now that if there's anything that drives me crazy about modern religion, it is how unexact we are in our approach to God. I'm not saying that the, the cost of your clothes that you wear to church impresses God. That is not what I'm saying. But the reason why I will never, ever be a casual pastor is because I don't believe we ought to approach God casually. My wife and I were so hungry to be in church. We went to church at a place that I normally wouldn't go to church when we were on vacation the other day. And when we went in there, man, I'm not kidding you, folks. It blows my mind. When we walked in, they greeted us and they said, we have coffee here in the lot. They didn't know who we were. I didn't take a suit with me. I think it's the first trip I've been on in 100 years. I didn't take a suit. I didn't take a suit. But I dressed as nice as I could and I went in. I walked in the door. They said, we have coffee here. 
Well, I'd already had coffee, so I didn't, I didn't get any coffee. But when I walked in, I realized everybody that got coffee didn't stay in the lobby to drink it. And th- I'm, I'm being honest with you. I, I don't know if everybody can see me or not. Let me just sit down here. They, people are sitting in their chair like this, sipping coffee. My wife, honest to God, she leaned over to me and she said, people are just having full-blown conversation during the worship service. People sitting behind us like, <laughs> just laughing and giggling and cutting up. And I'm like, oh, my word. And then when the song ends and the guy's like, brown, brown, he finishes the song and the guy, how, how was he said it, sweetheart? Something about, uh, the love of Jesus is so amazing. There was a guy sitting behind me that hadn't sang one word to it. He just talked through the whole song. Yeah, the peace of God is so amazing. And I wanted to turn around and say, yeah, and so is the coffee. <laughs> Nothing like some good Kona coffee on a Sunday morning service. And I'm not, I, I understand, I'm not trying to be critical. I don't want this to sound like I'm being ugly. But the man comes out to preach in his flip-flops. I know Jesus taught in his too, so don't be jumping off. <laughs> Jesus taught in his too. But understand me when I tell you, I don't want ever to approach God like he's a common casual man. Ever. I know things are different now. I know they're different now. I know we don't do blood sacrifice. I believe in Calvary, Calvary fixed. I believe all of that. I'm not trying to take you anywhere goofy. I understand that. But I'm just telling you, I still believe that there is a place for us on what happened behind that veil. And I don't believe that you took cereal and Pop-Tarts and coffee. I don't, I don't believe that you carried that in there behind the veil. I just don't believe that. I'm sorry. And when I ask for the glory of God to come in this house, I'm not asking so we can be casual and say, oh, I just love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for being my boyfriend. I want the glory of God because it changes lives. It heals people. It turns them around. Now, nobody's going to like this. I had to stay, move ahead so I get to 15. Nobody's going to like this part. Study, be exact to present yourself to God. Approved. Somebody shout approved. You know what this word approved means? And we're not jumping out there very far at all. I'm just telling you right now the definition of what this word means right here. Study to show yourself approved. It means study to show yourself as somebody that has been tried, tested, and judged. Study to show yourself approved that at any moment that he decides to judge you, you're ready. You know, preterism's in this chapter as well, but I don't have time to teach it where the resurrection already happened. He said, you better guard against that. But the problem with preterism is it says that the judgment and all that's already happened. And then, and then you got other people, you know, that b- believe in, in 70 that that was the second coming of the Lord and all that stuff. It's a bunch of garbage. Just get settled on the word. I still believe in the rapture. I believe it's going to happen. I believe in all that. But here's what I'm going to tell you. I believe that the rapture could happen right now. I believe that the rapture could happen by the end of service. I believe that the rapture could happen while we're sleeping tonight. I believe that the rapture could happen tomorrow. I believe that it could happen. So here's how I'm living. The Lord may not come back before I draw my last breath. 
But whenever he decides to judge me, I'm ready to be approved. You cannot live your life watching Jerusalem, waiting on the red heifer to be offered, waiting on the temple to be built. This is the temple I'm worried about. I am the temple of God, and I've got to be full of the Holy Ghost. And you know I watch the temple as close as anybody. I believe in it. But he said, Timothy, there's two qualifications for the workman, he said he needs not to be ashamed and he rightly handles truth. Needeth not to be ashamed. Let's deal with this and I'll get out of here very quickly. Needeth not be ashamed. This phrase is not found anywhere else in the New Testament scripture. Nowhere. You will not find this phrase anywhere else in the New Testament. It is not there that he does not have to be ashamed. It literally means he is a workman that cannot be put to shame. He said, son, get yourself so lined up that you can't be put to shame. They, they can't hold it over you. There's nothing, they, they can't get it on you. You got nothing in your life they can find out about you. There's nothing, nothing. Be an open book, son. Present yourself to God. Be ready to be judged. Get your heart right with God. You don't have to be ashamed of nothing. Get your heart right. Rightly dividing. Rightly dividing the word of truth. I think that kind of stands on its own, the word of truth. But rightly dividing simply means in, in basic English language, just cut it straight. In other words, don't cut it crooked. Don't, don't cut corners. It, it's like an exactness. Rightly divide. Cut it straight. Cut the word of God straight. Divide it right. Don't cut corners on the part that you don't like. Just cut it straight. Get the word of God right. Get it in your heart, son. Get it established and get it settled up. And with this, I close. I heard a man speaking this week on a very interesting subject that I caught my eye. It was some clickbait, so I listened. He said, there is something more important than your faith. Okay, I'm interested. He said, the bad part about religion is everybody talks about the fact that we got to have faith. We got to believe in God. He said, but I want to tell you what's more powerful than your faith and what you believe. He said, what's more powerful than your faith is what you know. Think about this. If I say I believe in God, and I say, I, I believe he created the heaven and the earth, then I'm saying there may be some room in my belief system. You may be, you know, I, I believe that. Like, I believe that it's cold outside, but I also believe it's going to get colder. I believe it's going to change as the night goes. You understand what I'm saying? It's an evolving thing. I believe that, but it, there's room for evolution in belief. He said, what's more powerful than what you say you believe is what you can say you know. Think about that. So when I look at you, I don't say, I believe God created the heaven and the earth. I can say to you for sure, I know he did. Because when I know he did, you can't take that from me. When I say to you that 
I believe that you need to have the Holy Ghost. I do believe that, but I'm going to tell you something else. I know you do. I don't believe that I've been born again. I know I've been born again. I've been born again of water and spirit. I've been born again of the water. I know I have. I don't believe this church is right. I know the church of the living God is right. And he said that he would build his church on a solid rock, on a solid doctrine, on a solid foundation, and the gates of hell could not prevail against it. When you know that you know that you know, you can bring any false doctrine, let the wind blow, let the storm come, but I know it. He didn't say, oh, that I may believe in him. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Bishop, he said, oh, that I may know him. It's one thing to say you believe on God. How about knowing him? He didn't say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. You didn't believe in me. You know what's more powerful than your faith? What you're so convinced about that nothing in this world or heaven above or earth beneath, whatever, could change. I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And when everything else in my life becomes shaking and moving and unstable and I don't know what's going to happen there, i got to come back to what I do know. And I do know that God is for me. And I do know that he is fighting for me. And I do know that his word is right. And that's what I know. Let's stand together.